they were singing that song and especially that bridge. I don't know about you, but that bridge brings me comfort this morning. Connie, if you'll just put that bridge back up. It says, my shame can't separate. My guilt can't separate. My past can't separate. I'm yours forever. Oh, but it gets even better. My sin can't separate, child of God. My scars can't separate. My failures, even when I mess up and have played the role of a fool, can't separate. Why? Because I'm his forever. No enemy can separate. No power of hell can take away. Your love for me will never, ever change. I'm yours forever. I want to read you a passage of scripture from Romans chapter 8, verse 35. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword and it is written for your sake we are killed all the day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter no in all of these things we are more than conquerors hear me today child of god you're more than a conqueror through christ jesus through him who loved us for i'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is where? In Christ Jesus our Lord. That ought to make you happy today, church. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. There's nothing that can separate you from his love. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. Lord, thank you, God that nothing can separate us from you. Lord, the day that we said yes to you, Jesus, the day, Lord, we became yours, Lord, we entered into covenant relationship. And Lord, I'm so thankful, God, that, Lord, you're faithful to us. Lord, you're faithful to us even when we've not always been faithful. And I'm so thankful, God, that even in the midst and the time, Lord, that the church is under persecution, Lord, you promised us in your word, Lord, that none of that stuff, none of the enemy's attacks, nothing that the enemy is trying to bring against us is going to separate us from your love. And God, because you love us, Lord, we know that we will always be taken care of, Lord, that we were always in the palm of your hand, Lord. And we thank you for it today, Lord. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise for the God who stays, for the God who stays, who walks in our direction when the whole world has walked away. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise again. Amen. DJ, if you'll come up and take the offering. Just prepare your hearts right now to give to the Lord your tithes or your offering even now. We know the Lord will richly and greatly bless you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this time to be able to come together. We thank you, Lord, for this time that we be able to sow into your kingdom. Lord, I would ask that, God, you would bless the gift and the giver, Lord. Let it be used to the furtherance of your kingdom, and we will forever give you praise for it all. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. mic on? All right, it's on. Turn with us in your Bible to the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And again, we just want to make mention of it um, in case those that are watching online, and we thank you for those that are faithful and watching. 
Uh, we do offer children's church and nursery here as well. In fact, today Nicole has started it up doing praise and worship with our children. Amen. During that time, and then they separate off according to age groups, and uh, they are taught uh, the word of God. Amen. And uh, so we just want to make sure that we make that known, that we do have children's church and nursery here. So there's a place for everybody here. Amen. Young, old, middle age, everywhere. We just want all to come. Amen. So First Kings chapter 19, if you're there, say amen. 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 We'll be reading a familiar passage of scripture this morning that I'm sure of any that has been uh, serving the Lord in any amount of time has heard this be preached as well as read this. But we'll be reading the first seven uh, verses of chapter 19. And the Bible says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, and when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. I want to preach a message coming from verse 4 there where he, Elijah himself has said, It is enough. And I want to preach a message this morning, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today in the name of your son Jesus. Lord, we, again, we thank you for your presence that we feel in this house. Lord, we thank you for your spirit, Lord. Truly, you have come and met with us here today. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for every person that has made their way out, Lord, to attend this service, for those that are watching by the way of internet. But Lord, this time, God, that you have ordained for the preaching of your word, Lord, we give to you. Lord, I would ask, God, that you would remove all distractions. Lord, remove all hindrances, Lord, that would hinder us from receiving what it is and from hearing what it is that you would have us to hear. Lord, for those here in the sanctuary, Lord, I pray, open their hearts, Lord, anoint their hearts and their ears to receive, Lord, what it is that you would have to be said. Lord, for those that are watching by the way of internet, Lord, we pray that your spirit we move upon right where at. And Lord, we would ask God that today your anointing would rest upon us, Lord, as we are nothing more but a servant, a mouthpiece for you. So, Lord, I'm asking, hide me behind your cross. Lord, remove me. Lord, let the people not see me. Let them not hear me. But, Lord, let them see Jesus. Let them hear you, Lord. And I know, God, that you will do great and mighty things in the hearts of your people. And we will not fail to give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and amen. Elijah is one of the greatest men, one of the greatest prophets, in my opinion, that has ever been recorded in the Bible. In fact, his name is mentioned over 68 times in the Old Testament. His name is mentioned 30 times in the New Testament. And we know that he was a man who God had used and, and allowed him to have the supernatural power of God working 
manifesting in his life. And this ought to be a lesson to you and I today uh, that God takes ordinary men and does extraordinary things through them. And I think sometimes we look at the man and we think the man is extraordinary. But can I tell you today that man within himself is nothing. I am nothing. You are nothing. But the power of God that can flow through us to use us for his kingdom is nothing short of the word extraordinary. Amen. He took an old vessel like me, an old clay that was marred, that was messed up. He placed his spirit inside of me and said, now go forth and preach and proclaim the word. And can I tell you today that if you're saved by the blood of the Lamb, you too have been called to preach this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. You may never stand behind a pulpit, but as we say around here, the pulpit is mobile and it goes with you wherever you go. Amen. He desires to use his people to do extraordinary things through it. Well, how can that be? It's friend it is the only grace that he can use anybody for anything amen and so in chapter 18 we see one of the most extraordinary scenes one of the most extraordinary scenes in the entirety of the bible and we see where elijah was commissioned by god to go and to show himself to ahab and elijah finds obadiah one of ahab's servants who was searching out for grass and fountains of water so that all the animals would not die. You may ask, well, why in the world was he doing this? Well, see, Elijah had prayed that for three and a half years that there would be no rain to come down from the sky. And can I tell you that, as I said in the few weeks ago, any time that there is a famine in the land, when you read about it in the Bible, it's because there was a spiritual declension, if you will, of the church. And I don't know about you, but we're in a famine today. We're in a famine today. And the reason why there's a famine in the world today is because the church is not being who God has called us to be. But I'm thankful that in the midst of all that is going on, and I'm believing that in the midst of all of this rioting, that revival is going to be birthed from it. Amen? I know that the enemy thinks that he's got it in the bag. I know that much in the world thinks they've got it in the bag, and they think they've got the church distracted. But can I tell you today that God has a remnant? God has always had a remnant and I've not been distracted by COVID. I've not been distracted by the rioting. My eyes is on Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I'm watching and I'm waiting because I know just that any day he's getting ready to bust through those eastern skies and my friend let me tell you your feet's going to come up off of the ground and you're going to meet Jesus Christ in the cloud forever. We will be with him. Amen. But before that happens, my God, the Word tells us that He's going to pour out His Spirit. He's going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. And let me tell you, what you've read in the Bible is going to bail to comparison of what the Lord is going to do in these last days. Amen? So again, Elijah sees Obadiah and says, Go and tell Ahab that I want to have a face-to-face -face meeting. Because Elijah wasn't doing no whispering. He didn't want to send a message. I want a face-to-face -face meeting with Ahab and Obadiah was afraid because he knew Ahab and and the queen was mad and had a bounty out for Elijah but the boldness that Elijah exhibited was none other like I have ever seen we find that Elijah comes face to face with Ahab and Ahab questioned him and he says are you the one who's troubling Israel and Elijah's answer to Ahab was no it's not me 
but it's you and your father's house because you have forsaken the commandments and you have forsaken the Lord. And I just want to stop right here that as Elijah's answer was to Ahab was ever so true then, it's the same today. America's problem is not because of this or that. It is because, again, there's a famine in the land. It is, again, because there is a lack of the preaching of God's holy word. Well, a lot of people say, well, what do you mean? There's churches on every corner. They're having services all around. But just because it's a building and just because somebody stands up here in three-piece suit don't mean that it's the Word of God that is going forth. Amen? As I said last week on Sunday night, we are easy to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ when it comes to Islam, when it comes to Hinduism, when it comes to all of these isms. But let me tell you something. We've got to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ and make sure that we're not attaching anything else to the spotless Lamb of God. Amen. Paul said, I declare to know nothing else among you save Christ and Him crucified. It was the answer then. It's the answer today. And it will always be the answer. You want to know how to get rid of the racism? problem you want to know how to combat all of this it's not another program it's not another meeting it's not another group of people coming together and brainstorming no it's getting back to preaching God's word because when sinners hear this and they get convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit and they give their heart to Jesus Christ and they say oh God be merciful unto me a sinner then all of a sudden a supernatural love comes inside of that man and let me tell you you won't have no problem loving the individual who Who's not the same color as you. You'll love the black man. You'll love the brown man. You'll love the red man. You'll love every ethnicity that there is. How can that be? Because of the love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish and have everlasting life. He didn't die just for the white man. He didn't just die for the black man, but he died for every nationality, every color of skin, young, rich, old, poor. It don't matter. It's for whosoever will come and take of this water of life freely. So again, Elijah tells Ahab, go and gather the prophets. And we see Elijah squaring off with 450. Think of that. One man squaring off with 450 prophets of Baal. And he says, all right, boys, we're going to have a competition. We're going to, I'm going to give you a sacrifice, one for you, one for me, and let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. He even looks at him and says, I'll let you have your own pick, and I'm going to even let you go first. And we see where they take the sacrifice, they dress it up, they call it on their fake God's bell from morning all the way up to noon. But the Bible says that there was no voice and there was no answer. They hooped and hollered and, and cried out for hours for the fire to fall down. Because again, you've got to understand, the God that they served was supposedly supposed to be the God of all of the elements. God wasn't able to do exactly what Elijah said needed to be done. Amen. But he was going on and, and taunts them. What's the problem? Where's your God at now? Where's the fire out now? Why don't you just shout a little louder and maybe that'll do it. So Elijah here was taunting them, if you will. And I love it because, again, he was so bold. You think you're God's God? Go ahead, have all you want because I'm just sitting back waiting because I'm getting ready. You're getting ready to see something like you ain't never seen before. Amen? And Elijah says, all right, boys, you've had your turn. It's now my turn, amen? And the Bible says that he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. 
And he built it back the way that the Lord had told him to do. And he gathered the wood and he gathered the sacrifice and he doused it all with water. Not once, not twice, not three times. Signifying God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And he says in 2 Kings 18.36, Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant I have done all of these things at your word. And I want to echo what Elijah said some 3,000 years ago. Let it be known this day. Let it be known this day, June the 7th, 2020, on this Sunday morning at 11.15, there is only but one God, and His name is Jehovah, eternally existing in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I don't care what any politicians may say. I don't care what past presidents may say. I don't care what the brightest minds that has walked out of the greatest universities may say. There is no other God but the God Jehovah. Jehovah. And that's the one who we serve, the one who created the heavens and the earth. Amen. And the Bible says that the fire of the Lord fell. If we want the fire to fall again, we have got to repair the altars. Elijah had to repair the altar that was all messed up and speaking that's what we've got to do we've got to repair the altar and go back to preaching God's word come back to the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ amen so the fire falls and it consumes the sacrifice the wood the stone the dust licked up even all of the water that was built in the trench all the way around it and you can imagine that when that happened you talk about making a believer out of somebody but it made a believer and the Bible says that they fell on their knees and their faces hit the ground and they said, the Lord, he is God. Let me tell you that Isaiah 45, 23, Romans 14, 11, Philippians 2, 10 and 11, every one of them says that every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that he is the Lord. Let me tell you this morning, every knee's going to bow, every tongue's going to confess that he is God. And the greatest bowing of the knee that's going to take place, the greatest confession that's going to take place is when old Lucifer himself is going to have to hit his knees and he's going to have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The one that has caused you and I troubles and trials because of the introduction of sin. That one right there that is weak and havoc. But he himself is going to have to bow down and confess him as king of kings. So Elijah goes on and he kills every one of these false prophets. And we find him telling Ahab, get up, eat, and drink. For there's a sound of an abundance of rain. The drought that had been in Israel was just about to be over. You see, this wasn't just no ordinary rain. This wasn't just no little drizzle that was coming down. He said, I hear the sound. And literally, that word in the Hebrew means voice. That God told him, get up. There's a sound. There's the voice of an abundance of rain. Can I tell you today that I hear the sound of an abundance of rain? I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I know that we're in the middle of a drought right now. And I know that there's nothing spiritually speaking coming forth. But keep sowing. Keep watching watering and the rain of the Holy Spirit is going to fall on this nation on this world one more time and what we've been sowing 
and what we've been watering, he's going to bring forth the increase. Let me tell you, Joel chapter 2 says the floor shall be full of wheat. What does that mean? That means there's going to be a harvest of souls like we have never seen before. I know some of you have been praying for children. I know some of you have been praying for lost family members. Some of you have been praying for those you worked with. And it seems like that your prayers have hit the wall. It's hit the ceiling and bounced back, bite back. But let me tell you, keep praying. Keep believing. Because I believe that if you don't give up, that they're going to be a part of that wheat that is on the floor. Amen? Because he's going to pour out his spirit. My God, I can't wait. He's all, let me tell you, it's just like before a gigantic rainstorm come. In fact, I was, uh, I think it was Friday night, I was in my office and I had went outside and all of a sudden I heard a little bit of thunder and I seen just one little cloud in the sky. The rest of it was sunny, but one little cloud. And I heard the thunder and my, my mind instantly went to this passage of scripture. And it wasn't within just 30 minutes that all of a sudden the floodgates opened up. And I'm telling you, it was a gully washer that came. And I said, my God, I know that's what it's getting ready to be. I see the size of a cloud of a man's hand. But can I tell you, that size that is there is getting ready to open up. And it, we're going to see a sky full of dark clouds with heavy clouds. And the rain is coming. Rest assured of that today. Mark your words. It is coming. Amen. So the Bible says that the servant came back and, and again told him all of these things. And I love what this chapter closes out with. And it says, and the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah. Nothing else greater could be said about an individual. That the hand of the Lord was upon him. Everything that this man prayed, think about it, was answered. Everything that he touched in his lifetime, he's seen 16 miracles come to pass that we sit now with and we stand in awe of. And often so many times, though, the greatest victories in our life are followed up by the greatest defeats. Seasons of mountaintops experiences soon become seasons of low valley. Here in chapter 18, we see a man that, my gosh, nothing could touch him, strong in the Lord. And here we see in chapter 19, him running for his life. Think about that. And this is included in the canon of Scripture because it is a great parallel for my life and for yours. That one day we're on top of the mountain, and thank God for the mountaintops, but can I tell you today, if we stayed up there, we would get spoiled. We say that we wouldn't, but we would. And if he left us in the valleys, it would kill us. But yet even in the valley, God is good, amen. And we all know and we've heard it before that those seasons and valleys is where we grow the most because we don't grow on top of the mountains. And we don't like the valleys. I'm not going to sit here and look at you and say that I love every valley that I have to walk through. I love every storm. I don't sit back and say, hip, hip, hooray. Here we go again, Lord. Woo! I don't do that. But when I look back on my life and I see what I had to go through, but I seen the faithfulness of God. When I see how he was right there with me through it all. When I see the grace that was there to help me when I thought I was going down for the last time. It makes me want to shout hallelujah. 
Because I know that it wasn't me. It should have killed me. But my God, he was there beside of me, leading me and guiding me. And here I am today. I stand as a warrior for the king. And what Satan thought was going to destroy me, God turned it all the way around for his glory. Almost always after every victory that you have in the Lord, Satan follows up with attacks, attacks of great success. He's ever trying to hinder us and, and throw us off of the course that God has laid out for us. There's a course that's laid out for you. There's a course that's laid out for me. But you and I must ever remember that the faith of yesterday will not be sufficient enough for today. There has to be a daily deposit, a continual deposit of the touch of God on a daily basis. This is why we stress and we preach that Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship with the Lord. And you cannot base your walk with the Lord and think that you're going to make it through life on a one-time experience. But yet he tells us that we've got to have a daily encounter with him each and every single day so that we can receive the grace, the help that we need to be able to walk in this world you and I never know what lies ahead of us and if we did it would scare us half to death but let me tell you today it doesn't matter what may come your way you've got the promise of the father who said I will never leave you and I will never forsake you amen so we find Elijah again risking his life for God's glory and in one chapter with the next him trying to save his own life and we find how fear replaced faith. And again, if there's ever been a parallel in the Bible, that it is right here where we see that one day we're here and the next day here. One day full of faith and the next day full of fear. You see, we've got to remember that the devil's greatest attacks, a tactic on the child of God is to bring threats to him. And he will always try uh, to confuse, uh, to convince us that you are going to die. And we see here what happens in the beginning of chapter 19 where Jezebel comes on the scene. And let me tell you, the spirit of Jezebel is alive and well today. And Jezebel is not about a person being decked out with earrings. It's not about a person being decked out with a bunch of makeup, but the spirit of Jezebel there is in attacking the kingdom of God like never before. It would shock you to know about me, and I also know it about you, because if you're blood-bought and you're walking with the Lord, how the powers of darkness is coming against the church and coming against us as individuals now more than ever before to try to get us off of the track. And we see that the threat of Jezebel here comes to Elijah and says, let me tell you today, what you've done to these prophets is going to happen to you. It's going to happen to you. Satan lies that he spews out of his mouth. But John 8, 44 says he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan's native language, hear me today, is lies. His native language is lies. And he will look at us and try everything that he can to tell us that we're not going to make it. That you're going to die. That you're going to go all the way down to the end. And we think that what he's saying is true because of the circumstances that are taking place in our life are pointing in the direction of what Satan is saying. We see the circumstances, the 
circumstances that are going on, the problems that are all around, and we see this, and we think surely that what Satan has told us is the truth. But again, can I remind you that he's the father of lies? And he's going to try to do everything that he can to knock you off, to get you not to believe the promises of God that the Bible is so chock full of that we read day in and day out. But we as believers, and we've all been there, have found ourselves giving ear to the enemy. We find ourselves as Elijah here in this story giving ear and believing the lies of the enemy. And we've all been there. And I can tell you that if Elijah did, and the Bible tells us in James chapter 5 that we are just like Elijah. He was a man just like us. So if Elijah was running and Elijah was fearful, that tells me that you and I have been on or will be on the same course that he was on here in this story. You see, Elijah just got done defeating 450 prophets of Baal and has seen the glory of God, the hand of God, uh, bring a great rain. Done all of this, but yet he lets one long-tongued woman scare him half to death. One long-tongued woman began to spout out what she was going to do, that she wasn't even bold enough to do it face-to-face, -face, but had to go through a messenger. And here we see Elijah picking up bags. I'm out of here. I'm running. He gets fearful. He runs. I would have loved to have read here in this story when this happened that Elijah says, you know what, Jay-Z, do you not see what I just did? Do you not just see the glory of God? Do you not just see, did you not just see the 450 prophets that were killed? Did you not just see that I called fire down from heaven and fire come? If you mess with me, fire's going to come down on you. See, that's what we should be doing to the enemy. When the enemy comes and taunts lies to us and tells us that we're not going to make it, that's when we need to pick up the word of Almighty God and come back at the enemy and say, you're the father of the lies. You say, I'm going to die, but the Bible says, I shall live. But the Bible says here in verse 3 where we see fear grips his heart and when he saw that. Those five words right there is what took him from faith over to fear. See, this is where the problem starts when we remove our faith from Christ and, and we place it upon the circumstance. And the reason why was because he had heard of what Jezebel had done to the other prophets. So he thought, surely if it happened to them, it's going to happen to me. But can I tell you today that the Bible says that there's a head of protection all around you? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 lets us know that we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. And I know that we look word peculiar and we think of it as strange in the way that we use it today but in the Greek there I can't even remember the, what the word is it's hard to pronounce but what it basically means is that you're a dot inside of the circle and what that means is that you've got a hedge of protection all around you that tells me that there's a bloodline that is strong and Satan could do all that he wants but he can't come across that bloodline you know why because you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ do you think if the enemy could truly do what he wanted to do that you would be sitting here today? None of us would be here. If the enemy had his way, he would have done already killed us. But he can't do it because we've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's so easy to be moved by what we see and, and what we hear. And the truth is we should not be moved by these things because, again, the moment that you quit looking to Calvary, the moment you quit looking to where your source of strength comes from, I promise you that fear will grip your heart. Satan will never stop toning. 
And we shouldn't believe it because we've got to be reminded that we've got God the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And can I tell you today that if God be for you, who can be against you? If God is for you, it doesn't matter of all of hell coming against you, you're going to make it. Amen? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, he's giving you the power to encounter dangers and power to triumph in persecutions. So quit fearing Satan's taunts and trusting God's ability to ever help you in the time of need. You see, God never designed us to be Superman, and I think sometimes that we forget this. God didn't design you to be superwoman or me to be superman and sit back and throw our chest out and think that we can do this on our own. No, God knows our framework and he designed us to make us ever dependent upon him. Made us so that we would ever see our need of him. And we don't have to act tough because guess what? You're aren't. You're not tough. I'm not tough. And I guess we've got God, the Holy Spirit, living inside of us, and he's there walking with us and leading us and guiding us. But you don't have to act tough and think that you all got it going on. I can tell you that after serving the Lord for years, I found myself here in these altars this past week weeping before the Lord. God, I've got nothing. I'm nothing, Lord. I need you now more than ever before. And that's exactly the way the Lord wants us to stay. As with that childlike faith, ever dependent upon him. But the problem is, there's too many in the church that are walking with the Lord trying to be independent. He never called you to be independent. He called you to be dependent upon him. Amen. So we see that Elijah sees and, and listens to the threats of the enemy. And begins to operate from a position of fear. And what did that do? It led him out of the will of the Lord. The Bible says that he traveled for a day into the wilderness and, and came and found himself underneath the juniper tree. And I can tell you that we have all found ourselves underneath the juniper tree. Not just one time. Not just two times. Several times in our walk with the Lord, everything's going good. Enemy comes against us with everything he's got. We're scared half to death, and we are just like Elijah, and we take off a running because we're fearful of what we think is going to happen, which it's not, and we find ourselves right here up underneath the juniper tree, crying out, saying to God, I've had enough, Lord. Why don't you just let me die? Elijah, greatest prophet here who God worked miracles in, but yet wanted to die. You see, we've all come to this place where we say that we can't take no more because we get so overwhelmed with life because we don't like the way things have went. And, and again, we lend an ear to the enemy and, and we believe his lies more and we find ourselves saying, God, I can't take much more. The attacks are coming from the left. The attacks are coming from the right. The attacks are coming from the front. I don't know what else to do. God, I'm going to run over here. Just let me die, Lord. Save me from the misery that I'm in and let me die. I've had enough, Lord. I can't do this anymore. And we want to give up. And we've all been there where we want to give up. You see, Moses the same thing in Numbers 11 where it says, I can't take all this, Lord. I can't bear these people. It's too heavy for me. Moses, the one that the Lord gave the law to, says, Kill me, I beg of you. We don't like to think about that, do we? It's hard for us to imagine the one that led the children of Israel out of 
the wilderness that led the one there to throw his staff down and the parting of the Red Sea took place. And yet we find him later on saying, God, I beg you, let me die. I think we forget sometimes that these men and women that we read about are just like you and I. That put their pants on one leg at a time just like you and I, man. And we are susceptible to the same things that they went through too. We can look at this and we can read about it. And it's easy for us to point out the fingers. Well, Elijah shouldn't have done that. Moses shouldn't have said that. But you and I are no better. Because if we get honest with ourselves, we've been in that same place before. You said we've always, Elijah, been in those seasons of our life. I've done I can't fight this anymore. It's the same battle day in and day out. I can't stand the pressure. And we get so frustrated because our prayers we think aren't getting prayed. We don't understand why God seems to be saving these people, kids, but don't save ours. We don't understand why things seem to be going good for these people, but not for us. And we get so frustrated because it's the same thing day in and day out, day in and day out, the same old story. It seems like God is a thousand miles away and we can't take it anymore and we're acting and we run to the juniper tree and we lay ourselves down and we say I'm going to quit doing this I can't take this anymore so God the best thing you could do is kill me now I want to be done have you ever been in that place in your life before where you just wanted to be done with it all the Proverbs 3, 4 through 5 says trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. You see, you cannot lean on your own understanding and trust him at the same time. It doesn't work. You'll either trust him and trust that even though what is maybe going on in your life, that he is going to see you through it, or else you're going to lean upon your own understanding. And I can tell you that it is total opposite for the will that the Lord has for your life. You see, trusting that we, even though I'm in a tough situation, that God will deliver me. Elijah found himself his place in the wilderness, but I just want to make one thing known here. There are times where God will drive us to the wilderness as we see that it happened to Jesus, where the Spirit led him into the wilderness. But can I tell you here that God never intended for Elijah to be where he was at? This wilderness that he was in, Elijah placed himself there. And when I read this and it hit me, I too many times and I sit around and I said, Lord, I'm in a wilderness experience. I don't understand why you brought me to this place. But I was reminded that he's not always brought me to the place where I'm currently at. I place myself there. Because of a lack of trust, because of a lack of faith, because of fear gripped my heart and I found myself in a place where I never intended to be. Elijah was never supposed to be here underneath this juniper tree. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we were never supposed to be. But I'm so thankful, just like the song of Stacey had no idea what I was going to preach on. He's the God who stays. That even in the midst of my error, even in the midst where I'm in a place where I should not be, God, as we see here with Elijah, walked right with him and stayed right with him. He will stay right with you as well. You see, Elijah was, again, troubled and full of fear complaining about his life, requested to die. But we don't see that God said, get up and act like a man. We don't see God scolding him. But instead, what did he do? He caused Elijah to rest. And that's exactly what he's calling you and I to do, especially in these seasons where we feel like the enemy is in hot pursuit of us. He's calling us to rest in him. 
Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and of good courage, and fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he it is who does go with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. And I read that, and it says, For the Lord thy God, it is he who goes with you. Do you realize who's with you today? Do you realize who's walking through with you through this life? You're not by yourself. It is God Almighty himself that is walking with you. He says he will not leave you. God don't have to look and say, I promise. You know, we as individuals say, I promise, because we think that gives extra assurance to make the person to believe. God don't even have to say, I promise. You can take it to the bank. It's a guarantee. He will not fail you, and he will not forsake you. Not just in the good times. But also in the bad times. Oh, so you mean even when I played the role of a fool? Even when I've messed up? Even when I've got myself in a place where I should be? That's exactly what I'm saying. And how can that be? Because of covenant relationship. Because when you entered in, my God, you've got the promises there that he won't leave you. And he won't forsake you. Amen. Man will fail you. A man will let you down. But he won't. He will not fail you even when you're in a place that you shouldn't be at. So we find here that even after he slept a while, he was awakened by an angel who touched him. And this angel told him to arise and to eat. And there we see that he finds the cake that was baking there upon the coals and, and the cruise of water, a type of the Word of God and a type of the Holy Spirit. Because when we get in those frustrating places in life, that's what we are to lean on. We need a dose of the Holy Spirit and we need the Word of Almighty God. But it hit me when I was reading this. He had already told his servant to stay in Beersheba. He drove himself out into the middle of a desert. Pretty much, if you want to just tell it like it is, it was a suicide mission. Drove himself out here to where he had no food, no water, no servant there, nobody all around to put two woods together and cause a fire. So who do you think caused this fire? Who do you think put this cake there, a bacon, making everything real good? Who do you think supplied that water there at his hand where he was so without even energy, he couldn't even get up and get it, so the Lord placed the water right there by his head. My God, can I tell you, he is still over Jireh. He is still my provider. He will provide for you. And when Elijah should have died there in the wilderness, Elijah should have never should have been there, but God was still over watching him, still seeing him right where he was at and says, I know he's got himself in a tough situation, but I'm still going to provide for him because that's my child. That's the love of the Father. God who stays, who never walks away from me. Even when I messed up, he told Elijah, get up and eat. Because the journey you are on, you're getting ready to endure, is too great for you. You see, giving up is not an option, child of God. Giving up is not an option. You may say, well, you don't know what I've done. Well, look at Peter who denied Christ three times but yet went on to preach the inaugural message on the day of Pentecost. Look at David who refused to back down from the taunts and lies of Goliath who we know would go on to commit this horrible sin but yet the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. What about the three Hebrew children whose lives were threatened but yet they didn't quit? Or what about Jesus? When get ready to go to the cross, said, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass for me. But he said, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. What if he would have quit? What if he hadn't went on and fulfilled what God had called him to do and stayed 
in the will of the Father? What if he said, I'm done, I'm over this, I'm not going to do it anymore? Where would that leave you and I today? In an eternal hell, separated from God. You see, we see again that the angel came a second time and, and touched him. Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. I read this and I thought, well, wait a minute. Elijah wanted to quit. Elijah said that he was done. Leave me here to die. But nowhere do I find where God accepted his resignation. God didn't accept Elijah's resignation. said, I'm done. I'm over it. I'm not going to do this anymore, God. I can't do this. I can't bear with it anymore. I'm over this. You better find you somebody else because I'm done. And can I tell you, I've been there. We got to be transparent. I've been there. I've been there in the last four months. Because I let fear grip my heart. I say, I can't do this anymore, Lord. I'm done with this. You've called the wrong person. You've messed up. But can I tell you, I, as Elijah, was here in this season. But he said, get up. Because the journey for you is too great. I'm going to provide to you what it is that you need. And can I tell you what he provided was a little bit of grace. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakest. When you were at the lowest point of your life. You feel you can't get up. You feel you can't go on and all hope is gone. When you feel you can't take another step. We find the greatest display of his grace and strength. Why? Because we've acknowledged our weakness I'm so thankful that when I wanted to quit he didn't quit on me I'm so thankful when I was ready to throw in the towel and say God I can't do this no more he didn't say fine resignation accepted I want you out of here no he kept wooing and drawing my heart and he kept working with me because he that has begun a good work shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ let me tell you something he's got too much invested in you to see you walk away He's got the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, that was shed on Calvary's cross for you. He didn't save you for you just to say, I'm done with this. I'm going to quit. But he wants you to see that he's there with you. And if we'll just turn to him, if we'll just allow his grace to be poured into our life. And can I tell you that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance? And the greatest calling that will ever be on your life, the greatest calling that will ever be upon my life is not to pastor, it's not to preach, it's not to sing, but the greatest calling is to follow Jesus Christ without repentance. He has called you, he has called me, he is calling for the entirety of the world to deny ourselves and take up the cross and to follow him. Quitting is not an option. But even though Elijah was in this place, even though I've been in this place, you've been in that place, he provided to us what we needed to be able to get started again. I've gotten up out of the bed many times, and I thought, Lord, I can't do this. And I just wanted to be down. I wanted to have myself a pity party. I wanted to stay right up here underneath this juniper tree. Lord, just leave me alone. But his love kept tugging at me. Come unto me. And I will give you rest. That's not just to the sinner. That's to the child of God. You see, he said, I know you've gotten off track. And, and what you needed was some rest. I've provided it to you. I've provided the food. I've provided the water. Because you're not going to stay here. I'm not letting you stay here. Because the journey for you is too great. 
Just because you wanted to give up, again, the gifts and callings are without repentance. Why? He wasn't through with Elijah yet. His ministry wasn't done yet. And let me tell you today, he's not through with you yet. You read on through the rest of the chapter, and the greatest thing that could have happened was him passing on the mantle to Elisha, who would go on to do because he wanted a double portion of the anointing. Elijah performed 16 miracles, but with that mantle being passed, Elisha went on to do 32 miracles. Can I tell you that when you feel like throwing in the towel, and I've said this to Stacy before because I heard it one time from an evangelist, when I thought about taking my coat off and throwing it away, the Lord showed me, you're throwing a whole bunch of people away with you. Because there's people dependent upon you and your walk with the Lord. Your life is being watched more than you realize. So when you're ready to throw in the towel, remember, you're throwing a whole bunch of people away too that God desires to use you for, to work through, to reach them. He says, I've got plans for you that you know nothing about. So now is not the time to quit. Sing a musician. God desires to take you further than you ever thought that you could go. And a lot of times when we go through life and we're facing these obstacles, it is because we are in a season there where God wants to stretch us, where God wants to use us, where God wants to reveal himself more to us than ever before. And where Elijah had gotten himself so off course, and in a place where he truly didn't belong, we see where God worked with him all the way through. We concentrate on how we get started in life. Too many times we, we think about what took place this one particular day, but can I tell you that you can start out right, but finish up wrong? You can start out right. You can say, I had an encounter with the Lord, and all of that's wonderful, but what took place 20 years ago it's not sufficient for today. Our eternal destination, our eternity with the Lord is not going to be based off of what took place then. It's going to be the condition of our heart and soul today. So my question is to you and, and however this message ministered to you, will you finish? Will you finish this race that God has called you to run? And that race for you and I today, the greatest race that we're all on is to continue to march after him, to continue to follow him until he leads us home. But maybe there's something that he's called you to do. Maybe there's something that he's working in you. And maybe you thought, I'm done. I'm calling it quits. You've been like Elijah. But will you finish? Will you finish what he started in you? Because you have the choice of whether or not that you will. But he's saying, trust me, and I'll see you through. So as you stand to your feet, is it your heart's cry today to say, I want to finish? I want to finish with the Lord. I want to continue to stay on this journey that he's called me to. I want to continue to run after him. I want to continue to follow after him. If that's your desires, come to the altars today. And let him pour out upon your heart and on your life. Because God desires to move in us today. And my heart's prayer is that God let not one of us leave this house the same way that we came in. Because I'm not crazy. I know that all of us are facing things unimaginative. 
But right now, God wants to deposit something inside of you and I to continue to help us on our journey. So as they sing this song, respond to the drawing of the Holy Spirit.
thankful for the Lord? Aren't you thankful that even when you wanted to give up, he didn't give up on you? Oh, God, I'm so thankful that even before coming to Jesus, the times that he knocked at my heart and I didn't answer, but yet he didn't quit calling my name. He didn't quit knocking at my heart. And then that day I opened the door and he came in. And let me tell you something. He came in to stay, amen. He came in to live, to guide, to lead, to help us on this journey, amen. Don't quit. You've come too far to give up now. The finish line is just in sight. And the best days are yet ahead, amen. The best days are yet ahead. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you, Lord, for the work that you have done in this house. Lord, we thank you for the drawing of the Holy Spirit, Lord, for, for God, just how you've moved in this place, Lord. We believe, Lord, that you have strengthened us. And God, I pray you strengthen each and every person. Lord, as they continue upon their journey with you, Lord. God, there may be those seasons, Lord, that they find great defeat. But God, I pray that our eyes would ever be fixated upon you, Lord. God, let us ever be reminded, Lord, that the journey is too great. And Lord, we can't do it without you, Lord. And that, God, we lean upon you each and every single day, Lord. Help us, Lord, to trust you, Lord, with all of our heart, Lord. And know, God, that you, you are still in control and that you're not done with us yet. And we'll forever give you praise for it all in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen and amen. We thank you for being with us this morning.